Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us tonight. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh. Down goes Duffy O'Connor. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Pay your bills, folks. First of the month, Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. Episode 371 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Maybe that classifies as a dad joke. Uh, Ken Flo's grinning ear to ear. Banked a lot of television over the last two weeks. This guy, about 54 hours, but who's counting? He's back somewhere on the East Coast. We won't disclose location, but welcome home, buddy. Um, Reintroduce yourself to the kids. It's good to have you with us today, sir. Oh my goodness! It's great to be back home. Uh, always have a great time shooting BattleBots, um, but it's a great. It, it is. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of work. Um, but it's great to see the kids, man. I, you know, they like grow in two weeks. You know, my my four year old, my one year old. It's like they. Yeah. They. I miss so many little things. Miss a that lot. They did and miss a lot. I didn't miss Halloween though, which was nice. And by the way. Love the picture of your outfit yesterday. You went, you went all in. I just had like Mickey Mouse ears. You went all in. I love it. 
Well, sometimes it just depends on the child and the age of the child and if they want you to go all in. I was in yeah. Abu Dhabi last Halloween, which is yeah. a bullet dodged to be sure. I don't like the kids <laughs> coming to the front door, you know, digging candy and letting bugs in and fly. Yeah, everybody. I don't know. I felt a little violated last night here in South Florida. Everybody fucking rushing the uh, the front door. I'm not supposed to swear early in the episode because of the algorithm or whatever. I, I don't know what to tell you, folks. I don't know what to tell you. We got a lot to get to today, but yes, I went as the Riddler for Halloween at the request of my son. And, uh, you know, we're just glad Halloween's in the can, you know, like <laughs> checkbox. <laughs> lot to get to today. We'll find out if Kenny Florian ordered the Anderson Silva, Jake Paul Showtime pay-per-view. We'll recap UFC Fight Night Cater versus Allen. Ken Flo only caught tips of that fight card, so uh, might lean on our executive producer, Cody Merrow, at times for that. Ray Longo coming up here in uh, in about 19 minutes, hopefully without his uh, his loud animal. And uh, we also have Big Gun Brian Petrie on the back end. We got predictions for UFC Fight Night, Rodriguez versus Lemos. But let us begin, Ken Flo, with... Uh, Calvin Cater and Arnold Allen, UFC Fight Night, UFC Apex. Always interesting going from uh, from pay-per-views back to the UFC Apex. Just a weird visual, weird dynamic, but it is what it is. It is Arnold Almighty Allen, TKO. Calvin Cater knee injury came uh, at eight seconds of round number two. Arnold Allen looked fantastic, won the first round across all three judges' scorecards. You know, title shot worthy doesn't even begin to describe it, but what did you make of Arnold Allen's performance? And uh, I know you've got some stuff uh, on on Calvin Cater on the backside as well. Yeah, listen, I, I thought Arnold Allen looked fantastic. He looked like he was prepared or had the intention of leading the dance in that fight. Uh, he wanted to take control. Uh, he was fainting better than Calvin Cater. He was leading a little bit better. That left hand was landing a little bit earlier. So he found his range a bit earlier. Both were a little bit cautious to start out. Uh, but I thought he looked fantastic. He, he just looked like he was primed and ready, which is really interesting because he's not a guy that fights every few months. So to see him get off to that kind of a start and to look that confident um, shows that he's a guy that maybe I've been underestimating a little bit, you know, and, and it's weird to say that because the guy's undefeated in the UFC, but man, he looks really sharp. He looks really prepared and he did it against a guy in Calvin Cater who has been there and done that. You know, my biggest thing heading into that fight was the fact that Arnold Allen hasn't fought the level of competition with the level of pressure that Calvin Cater has, but he proved that, man, none of that really mattered. He just looked better and more willing to kind of um, lead the dance and initiate uh, the fight, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I don't know that the injury should take anything away from Arnold Allen. Mm. And it is sort of a three-horse race as far as featherweight contendership right now, or so it seems. Arnold Allen, Josh Emmett, and Yair Rodriguez, unless I'm forgetting someone. Of course, Volkanovsky, at least all indications are he's going to uh, be traveling across the country to Perth to fight Islam Akasha mid-February on pay-per-view up a division, but I don't know, man. It's like if this goes on longer and Calvin Cater stays in this fight health-wise, you know, perhaps this is an even bigger, more signature-type win for Arnold Allen, who then could be impossible to deny. We're going to get into the Bantamweights a little bit in terms of who might be next for Aljamain Sterling, but, you know, I guess Yair Rodriguez is probably the biggest fight draw-wise. It doesn't seem as though 
you know, I, I just don't know with Josh Emmett. You know, he's right there. I obviously root for the older guys a little bit with respect. You know, sure. Arnold Allen in that mix. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know how you handicap those three in terms of contendership and which direction the promotion might go. But, you know, before we get into Calvin Cater, you hate to see Allen sort of penalized when, you know, won the first round, you know, and uh, his opponent got injured. You know, it's still TKO in my book. Well, yeah, I was going to say he was winning that fight before that knee injury. It seemed like he was just always a step ahead and a little quicker than Calvin Cater out there. Um I, was there any talk, Cody? You can chime in here, uh, or, or or let us know in the in the comments there, uh, John. Maybe you know if was there any talk after the fight that Calvin was heading in there with an existing knee injury, or was that something that happened in real time? Not that I saw, kid. Not okay. that I saw. You know, yeah. um, but I don't know. I haven't uh, I haven't seen anything, and perhaps Tyson Chartier or somebody would uh, would clear that up. You know, Cody's yeah. pretty locked in with the New England cartel. Perhaps he can yeah. pop something in the chat if he heard something. But I did not. You know, it seems okay. to be a misstep uh, that caused the injury, and you know, hopefully, <laughs> it isn't of the catastrophic catastrophic variety uh for calvin cater who is 34 and will be 35 in march um but what are your thoughts on the cater side you know you were telling us pre-show that this is a kid you sparred with way back in the day yeah uh, in the florian era so uh, yes. what can you tell us about um this type of setback for calvin and uh your thoughts on him uh at this stage of his career you know calvin's the kind of guy who i i think either will look tuned in from the get-go or not, and he'll kind of play second fiddle a little bit. And I thought that he allowed Arnold Allen to take charge a little bit too much. It, it, it seemed like he was trying to get into his range, and then when that didn't happen, he decided to just kind of play the counterfighter. And if you do that against someone like Arnold Allen, I, I think you're going to be behind the eight ball a little bit too much. And that's what it seemed like, is that he was going off of what Arnold Allen was doing and couldn't catch up to that level of speed, uh, perhaps. So, um, there, there's a level of inconsistency on the part of Calvin Cater that is confusing to me because there's times where I'm like, hey, this is a kid who can challenge for the belt. There's no question about it. He's he's at that level. And then I'll see this fight against Arnold Allen and go, why is he letting this guy lead the dance? Why is, His feints didn't seem as sharp to me. Uh, Calvin was kind of just um, half-assing feints a little bit. He didn't look as sharp as he typically does, you know. Um, so... I was I was a little confused by the approach in the start by Calvin Cater, um, and, and it's hard to tell why. You know, was there something uh, going on with him heading into this fight, or was just Arnold Allen just too sharp for him? Um, and, and did he kind of uh, wilt a little bit to that level of pressure and speed? It, it, it's hard. It's hard to identify what the issue was out there. Yeah, Arnold Allen's a beast, man. Plus athlete. I think he's going to be a real problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'd say the other thing is, I don't think he would have been forced to really throw that knee if he wasn't behind the eight ball. I think he felt that he needed to do something yeah. big in order to play catch up, went for that flying knee, which was kind of unwarranted. He, he threw it from way too far away and, and then kind of had to catch himself off balance. And you know, injured his knee, uh, so it, it, it was unfortunate. I, I really like Calvin. I think he's got a ton of potential, but this was not you know, what one of his best performances for sure. A lot of MMA miles for Calvin Cater. It's hard to say, you know, if those contribute to an injury like that, but we wish Cater all right. the best. This sport is just ruthless, right? I mean, nobody giving him a chance going into the Giga Chikadze fight, right? Mm -hmm. Which he wins. 
then Dominated. very yeah. narrow loss to Josh Emmett, a fight that maybe a 51% majority thought he won. And now he loses this fight and could potentially miss significant time. So you feel for Calvin Cater. But in terms of that three-headed monster I mentioned, Arnold Allen, Josh Emmett, Yair Rodriguez, in terms of handicapping one fighter who has the best chance to beat Alexander Volkanovsky, right? I mean, if you're trying to save a fucking gerbil's life, Ken Flo, you send one of those three featherweights in there to beat Alexander Volkanovsky. You send an Arnold Allen, Josh Emmett, Yair Rodriguez in there. I mean, Arnold Allen looks like a, uh, a little, little bodybuilder. Looks like he could, uh, I don't know, he's got some size, he's got confidence, he's got length, um, plus skills in all areas. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I think of those three guys. I mean, I love Emmett's power. Yair, obviously, um, I absolutely love, but I, I, I'm sending Arnold Allen in there. That's the guy I'm sending in there. I think that might be your best bet. I, I, I like Yair's speed. I think that alone is a problem, but I think Volkanovsky's just too smart uh, and just too good everywhere. Uh, you know, for for a lot of those guys, I think Arnold Allen would be an interesting interesting scrap. Uh, I, I really do. I, I think the kind of momentum that he has, the confidence that he's going in there with, I think would make it interesting. I think Volkanovsky is just so damn good at 145 pounds, but. Um, I tend to agree with you. I don't know what's happening with Leon Edwards and Kamar Usman. I don't know what Kamaru's calendar is. Prevailing wisdom is that they want to preserve that rematch at all costs. And mm. ideally, you would have that pay-per-view in England. And, I mean, man, would I love to see Arnold Allen get a championship opportunity in England against Alexander Volkanovsky. And again, that's not noise that Josh Emmett nor Team Alpha Male is going to want to hear. And again, on a different episode following a Josh Emmett win, I would probably be, you know, singing a different tune and, and speaking about his candidacy, which I've done in the past. But uh, I don't know, man. You know, the eye test for me, right? Like the Patriots quarterback, Mac Jones, like C minus at best, right? The guy's a fucking D plus, right? Does not pass the eye test. For me, future title contender, UFC champion, Arnold Allen passes the eye test. You know, I'm just saying as yeah. a fight fan, yeah. guy passes the right. eye test for me. Uh, congrats to uh, the understated Arnold Almighty Allen. Also, congrats to uh, Max Payne, Max Payne Griffin over Timmy Means Business by split decision. You know, you're not going to finish Timmy Means. You know, Timmy Means Business. Anyone who knows Natron Business, Nat Natron Means Business from the uh, San Diego Superchargers. But no, Max Griffin <laughs> obviously had the close fight with Neil Magny not go his way. So you feel good for him getting the scorecards there. And once he mm -hmm. saw that 30 to 27, he knew that uh, that was going to be his Seems like some of the fan base is up in arms about Khalil Roundtree Jr. over Dustin Jacoby by split decision. You know, this fight was everything that it was advertised, you know, damage being doled out on both sides. I rewatched it this morning. Uh, you know, I thought it was a close fight. Uh, maybe not as close as Piorian and Sean O'Malley. But, uh, you know, I think we all have a similar uproar in terms of wanting five judges. And maybe there's a less vocal lot of you that wants open scoring. Um but Kenny, I don't know, man. It's like some of these fights, they they just are close. And Ben Cartledge is a very credential judge. And he was one of the two judges who had this fight for Khalil Roundtree Jr. If I was to take mm -hmm. issue with anything, it's that the two guys that had the fight for Roundtree Jr. had different scorecards in terms of the rounds, right? So you'd like them right. to at least be aligned. But I don't know, especially at that UFC apex under the guise of the Nevada State Athletic Commission right now, I think damage reigns supreme. And I think that Khalil Roundtree Jr. doled out a lot of it. Like, yeah, I thought Jacoby won the first two rounds, I think, and I gave Roundtree Jr. number three. But I don't know. As a former fighter yourself, like tough to be a fighter, right, in this day and age, I guess. But as much as I hate the phrase, you got to leave the judges out of it. 
you know, like there's some wayward scorecards. And uh, I don't know how as a fighter you prepare for that, but, um, you know, finishing finishing the opponent is one way to prepare for it. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I, I had a very different criteria when I was fighting, right? I mean, the judging criteria was literally different. Um, but at the same time, if you know a fight is close, you have to do something more than just kind of hope that you won that round or, you know, go back to your stool, you know, feeling comfortable. Like you never know these days, you never know. Anyway, one punch, you know, a, a, a judge blinks at the wrong time or a judge in the wrong spot on the cage and, and the act, you know, the, the fighters have their back to the judge or whatever. There's so many different angles and things that could sway a fight literally. So, um, Again, I, I wish I could speak more intelligently on that fight specifically. I just no, saw kind of highlights and tidbits. Uh, uh, but yeah, a lot of these people that are saying robberies for this fight or that fight, if the fight's close, it's not a robbery, guys. I, I hate to tell you. Um, and we're going to get a lot of these things. And unfortunately, we hold that in our hands. Um, you know, it's rare that you get, you, you can say robbery these days, once in a while, once in a long while. But as a fighter, that is in your hands. You have to do everything possible to make sure that you won that round. Uh, and that means taking little to no damage and doling out as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, anything outside of that, you're throwing dice. And I know some of the listenership right now is praying that Kempfo will go back and watch that fight and come back here next week and say he thought it was a robbery. But dude, <laughs> I love the fucking Hanyak. I love Dustin Jacoby. I love his story. And obviously, it's hard to see his momentum sort of stop here in a fight and after a performance that deserves praise and a fight that a lot of the, the masses thought he won. But, um, you know, I kind of agree with Roundtree Jr. who sort of softly said after the fight, you know, he thought he had, you know, done enough. But uh, tremendous fight, as we talked about last week. And uh, again, a lot of damage uh, doled out and a lot of sore customers, I would think, here uh, on a Tuesday. Uh, bonus winners, Treshawn Gore. Roman Delidze, Steve Garcia, and Christian Rodriguez. Roman Delidze with a devastating knockout of Phil Haas. They didn't give out, out a fight of the night. I thought that might have softened the blow for Dustin Jacoby, but there were a lot of worthwhile singular individual performances. Steve Garcia over Chase Hooper. You know, a lot of talk about Chase Hooper as usual. He gets knocked out here, got knocked down several times. Been a little bit of an uneven up-and-down UFC career for Chase Hooper, who certainly has been... Um, you know, publicly criticized at times. And, um, you know, obviously this opens the door for more people to, um, you know, poke at his, his striking game or lack thereof, uh, anything for us on that. What's frustrating, John, is when people start to get into the striking game, they approach it from the wrong perspective. What do I mean by that? Instead of thinking offensively, like if you are just getting familiar with striking, and you have very few ways of winning with your striking. Your first concern should always be defense in my mind. And very few fighters approach it from that perspective. Instead of thinking about, all right, well, how do I need to move my feet? How do I position my body to be defensively sound? What am I doing to make sure, number one, that I don't get knocked out? When you're starting your striking career or learning the striking game, in my opinion, that's how you should approach it. Like, what do I need to do defensively? What's my footwork about? What do I need? Instead of thinking about, all right, well, I, I need to learn how to jab and I need to learn how to do this. Okay, well, if you're using that for offense, it's only a matter of time before you get knocked out. Because especially if you're coming from a grappling uh, background, 
people are going to know to not go to the ground with you. They're going to prevent it, and and they're going to expose you on the feet. So defensively, you better be damn good. Chase Hooper is very bad defensively. Huh. Even <laughs> even in and, and I'm not being disrespectful. No, just I like know. you know, you're you're fighting in the UFC, dude. Like it, how many times have we seen him get a submission? But for the majority of the fight, he took so much damage, and he's a young kid. You know, by the time he's, I, I don't know, how old is he right now? Is is he even he's not twenty five? No, no. He's like twenty three, right? Like he's he's young. So by the time he's twenty five, twenty six, you know, let's say he gets knocked out many more times, or has even taken knockout shots and not been knocked out. Like these are these are things. Even if you're not getting knocked out, your brain is taking that damage. So, I mean, is it like, is he going to be peaking now? Like, is this, is this going to be, so he needs to be way better defensively and think about, you know, what he needs to do to survive first, as opposed to start to be offensive, because your chin is only going to take you so far. You have a great chin until you don't. Yeah. And and that's my concern with him is that he's taking a lot of damage, even when he's winning. And now finally we're seeing him you know, see him, seeing him get knocked out, which is not a great sign at 23 years old. Yeah. Good kid. You feel for him a little bit, but I think that if there's the right directives and certainly lean into some of what Kenny says, I think that he could affect change. You know, Dominic Cruz and I have had a lot of conversations about offense through defense and Hmm. how his sort of jumping off point in terms of MMA striking was that there are two swords that are lethal coming at him and let's navigate those first. And then we'll try to figure out how to, you know, land our own offense. And that does not appear to be uh, Mr. Hooper's approach, but um, hopefully he can, uh, can write the ship. All right. I know it's been a busy time for you. When did you, uh, when did you fly back Sunday, Monday? So I got on a uh, 6 a.m. flight out of Vegas. So I, I, I was picked up at like, 445 in the morning uh, did you gamble so, at all in las vegas no i didn't actually yeah. i don't I gamble anymore when i'm out there really so obviously with the sports betting for me it's like it's just habitual and volume <laughs> crazy right so i'm doing it on my phone yeah. all the time i don't need to go to a sports book but yeah right. i mean i don't even play the video roulette or I, I i don't know man you know i just yeah i don't know i'm i, I don't know <laughs> if i'm getting old or or what it is um all right so did you you did not buy the jake paul anderson silva pay-per-view i did not i did not i was getting updates you know on like social media and yeah it's funny always seeing how people score the fights like you'll get one person who's like oh this guy's winning the fight or the other person oh no the other guy's winning the fight or dominating or it's just the scores were all over the place I'm like, what the hell's going on i i have no idea what was going on because you have to actually watch the fight you did did you I hit I hit the buy button. I purchased uh, okay, the, the right. pay per view. I fell asleep, so I did not see it on Saturday <laughs> night. But I bought it, and I was able to effectively avoid spoilers. I watched it nice. Sunday morning, and you know I thought Jake Paul won the fight. I'm rooting for Anderson Silva to win the fight. I would like one of these mixed martial arts athletes, ideally, to come fucking through in one of these spots. Is there anybody out there? Uriah Hall, Nate Diaz, can one of these guys beat Jake Paul? That'd be nice. I like right. Jake. I really do. I like Jake. I like hard workers, right? I appreciate his work ethic. I like anybody who's underrated, you know, certainly for much of my career, I felt like the underdog, you know, being at a tiny sports radio station in Boston, always chasing the giant and everything else. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of positivity for me to lean into when it comes to Jake Paul. 
But can one of these guys beat him in a boxing setting, please, Ken Flo? I mean, yeah, he's taking the right. I got to give him credit for yeah. all those things you just said. He he is working hard. He's clearly working on his boxing. He's a he's a tough, strong kid. He's he's athletic. Actually, I get, I did a seminar in uh, Westlake, Ohio. We we we. Uh, had access to Westlake High School, which is one of the nicest high. It was like a college. And when I went in there, they had a bunch of wrestling banners and names and stuff like that. And the Paul brothers were all over it as, as you know, winning their league winning their, uh, what a district and, you know, state finals and all that stuff. So they're good athletes. They, they have a wrestling background. Um, and it's crazy. They're picking the right fights as well. It's just whoever's doing it, whether it's them or their managers, you know, it's like they'll pick out one guy that's a very realistic possibility who they could beat, and then they'll pick one guy who they definitely won't beat, like Canelo. You know, like I want to fight Nate Diaz and Canelo. You know, you're like you're not right, fighting right. Canelo, okay? Canelo's going to knock your head off. Yeah. But um, you know, they, they are they're picking the right guys, guys that are going to bring in you know buys, guys that they can beat uh, potentially. Yeah. Um, they're picking guys at the end of their career, so. I don't know. It's fascinating to see how they're going about this process. Um, they, they're finding a lot of success because of it. Uh, again, I wish I could speak intelligently on the fight itself, but for a lot of the people that I respect, like you, uh, it seemed like Jake Paul did win that fight um, via you know the, the proper boxing scoring criteria. All right. Well, we got a great boxing trainer and boxing mind on the line. Let's get to the uh, the Ray Longo minutes. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So when you are at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel a touch overwhelmed. Perhaps you're not showing up the way that you would like to. I can certainly relate. You know, there's a phrase in the song, there's no business like show business. And it says, there's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. And for me, being in the public eye has been challenging, at least in terms of always projecting happiness when perhaps that's not how I'm feeling. Well, whatever your situation, working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. And when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws your way. For me, it's imperative that I'm my best self in order to just perform at a high level. And when I don't feel that way, BetterHelp is a great option and a great resource for therapy. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. That gets you matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch out anytime for no additional charge if you're not happy. For me, I'm on the road about 100 nights a year, so being able to connect with someone remotely was absolutely huge for me, and my mindset really candidly has changed for the better. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Florian today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Florian. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Uh, look at that. Look Featuring at that. Oh, How are dog. you, Raymond? How well, are as, you? As long as the dog doesn't stop barking, I'm great. That's good. Uh, <laughs> listen to those pipes. I knew we had to have you on the podcast. I didn't know how we were going to afford you, but listen oh, to that. <laughs> listen to that fucking vocal chamber, folks. Huh? Yeah, you want to hear any singing? Yes. Have a special <laughs> song you'd like? Uh, three coins in a fountain. No, yeah, uh, that's uh, that's uh oh. Here comes the dog. Look, what's up, bud? <laughs> I think at this point the dog just stays as long as the dog doesn't bark. That's fine, right? Can do you want me to four box it? Cody, no, Cody, we don't want send, the dog. Can you send Ray some duct tape? 
<laughs> uh, uh, oh no! <laughs> Stop it! Lucky, please. He doesn't like. He doesn't like our voices. Sean. He doesn't like yeah. our voices. If you are audio only and you're wondering what this fuss is about, we did a second episode last week with Ray that was sabotaged effectively by his dog. So. Hoping for not a repeat. Maybe you take the collar off if it gets any louder. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Well, it's actually Kenny growling because people are trying to say he's not the best fighter out of Massachusetts in UFC history. Yeah, don't even get me started on that. You know, I mean, I'm actually, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Tisha Torres break through for Fall River, Massachusetts, but I'm okay if Ken Flo goes down as the greatest UFC fighter out of Massachusetts. That'd be fine. Oh, man. Raymond, how's your fucking Tuesday, kid, huh? Very good. Very good, guys. How we doing? We're doing I, good. So great. we're just talking about Jake Paul and Anderson Silva. I bought the pay-per-view. So did I. I bought it, too. And uh, I agree with everything uh, Kenny was saying. But, yeah, look, it looked to me like Anderson was really trying to win that fight. Yeah. And then... And there were times where I thought he was in that kid's head. He hit him with some nice uppercuts, and I think he was on his way uh, on his way to winning. And uh, I don't know, whatever. I mean, but he he lost the fight for sure. There's no question yeah. about it. Yeah. All right. So I have several things to get to with you today. One thing I wanted to get to with both of you. So there was a gentleman who was trick or treating with us last night. He doesn't live in our neighborhood, which I guess is neither here nor there, but. We're, he's a sports fan, and we were talking about sports, and he sort of thought that I was maybe nicer than your average Bostonian, right? The tenor from me, no accent. I wasn't being obnoxious like that fucking dog. I wasn't being obnoxious about the championships, right? All the championships, the title town stuff, right? I was subdued because I'm 34 years old, and I don't know, whatever. So, But it's amazing, like, the rap the bad rap, the stereotypical rap that Bostonians seem to have, and New Yorkers can relate to this. To no, me. yeah. Look at just, this guy getting I, angry. I was going to say, what the hell are you talking about? I even, <laughs> haven't even heard that about Bostonians. So I just find it interesting because it's like everyone from Massachusetts must have, you know, an accent that's thicker than thieves and be an asshole, a massive, right? right? And I oh, can well. certainly lean into that part of my being, but I love that a masshole. You never yeah, that no, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, we could do the rest of the show as as that. Kenny, I mean, Kenny certainly can be a dick. You know, <laughs> jeez, I want to move. I want to move to Boston and be a <laughs> yeah, and, right and be a asshole. Fit right, in, you know. Just got to make way for championship parades every now and again, and you're fine. You know? Oh, man. Um, you all right, go. so. uh we were talking about Arnold Allen. Unless you have anything else on Jake Paul and Anderson Silva, I mean, can Nate Diaz beat Jake Paul? Uh, I don't know, man. This, listen, listen to me. Ken, what Kenny, what Kenny's saying is spot on. You got to give the guy credit for knowing who to pick and who will accept and who can't resist. And he's he's a freaking genius. The guy, listen, the guy does box. He's in a boxing gym. You know, these guys really don't box. You know what I mean? They they box for MMA, but uh, I think Nate spent more time in a boxing gym than Anderson Silva. But again, these are fights I would like to. The kid's twenty five years old, right? Like right. he should be ashamed of himself for even stepping in there with Anderson Silva well, at forty seven. Well, the tape is crazy. I, I mean, mean he should really be ashamed is. of himself. He's jumping around like he did something. That's like uh, Ken. You're in the gym and a, a fifty year old guy walks in. You want to spar? <laughs> like you got to be. You, you're a douche. You're the douchebag in the gym when you do that. Oh, I'd Absolutely. love to spar that guy. 
You know, the guy's Absolutely. 50. I mean, it's, 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 it's actually insane. You know what I yeah, mean? So yeah. it's bad. I, you got to give, I don't know. You got to give him credit for, he knows exactly who to, I mean, Ben Askren. I don't think Ben, I mean, oh, the guy, the guy can't break an egg. I mean, I, and I think Ben Askren is awesome. I love the way I, he breaks stuff down. I love listening to him, but you couldn't think he's beating anybody in boxing. Like right. it, I, I love Ben too, but like yeah. if you can't even look good shadow boxing, like if you right. look bad shadow boxing, you're like, okay, well, there's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, right. You know, there's, there's been guys that have come in the gym and they look scary as hell. And anybody want to spar? No. And then they go hit the bag and everybody goes, I'll take them. Let's go. Right. Let's yeah. go. You know what I mean? Right. So you're yeah. right, Kenny. I mean, that doesn't, you know, they, they talk a mean game, but then they start doing something. And if you're not completely in the dark, you go, holy shit, there's, there's no way this fucking guy's beating me. There's just no way you could you could look at it. Yeah. It's just it, the guy's a genius for sure. Yeah. With uh, social media and however he parlayed this thing into what he did. And the place was sold out. It looked like yeah, it looked like it was packed. Festive. Right. So his next I've, fight, he's going to fight. uh He's going to fight Damian Maya, Michael Chiesa, and Ben Askren all on the same night, back to back to back, all grapplers. And uh, I mean, who, you know, I find it interesting. I find it compelling. Uh, but I, I just am hopeful that there will be an even more competitive fight than what we saw this weekend, which I guess was relatively competitive. I think a lot of people had it 4 3 or something to that effect for Jake Paul going into that eighth and final round, in which he knocked down Silva. Listen, yeah. I don't, the guy, I know he's a, he's a pro. Throw him in the New York Golden Gloves. Maybe yeah. he, maybe he wins. Well, right. That's, you know, I know what I mean? I maybe. Because he's going to get a lot of 25, 26 year old, 200 pound guys that get hit like they got bricks in their hands. So that's what he should do. Well, I thought Anderson might beat him. That's why I bought it. So, hey, look, Anderson, you know, he did his, his, no, he did his normal thing. He's, he's, he was good. He was trying. And I, I'm going to say, look, for 47 years old, he's the winner in the in the whole thing. He really is. He's doing something at 47 that the average 47-year-old just can't do. You know, so power to him, man. He looked, he looked great for that. He really did. All right, so what do you have for us on Arnold Allen and Calvin Cater? I assume you saw the UFC uh, main event. Yeah, no, unfortunate. I mean, it looked like it was heating up to be a technical battle. You know what I mean? So... But those, those fights always stink for everybody. It's interesting. See, I sort of felt like Arnold Allen was on his way to uh, maybe a finish, but, uh, expert, but you know. no, 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 no. It could have, you know, you know, Arnold Allen looked good. He looked like he was the South, but it looked like he was going to give him trouble. I mean, to say he was going to get finished, uh, he has he ever been finished, Kata? No, not that I can recall. I mean, I'll never be welcome back in Methuen, probably, you know. No, no, I don't. Yeah, I didn't see that, but it looked like, I mean, you got to give a guy, when did that happen? In the beginning of the second round? Or yep, the, right, right early second yeah, round. Yeah, you'd have to give it another round to, to see something, but it looked like it was going to, it looked like he was going to have a little trouble to see if he could have made the adjustments. You know, you needed more time to see for sure. All right, so Aljamain Sterling has been out there since his fight and i have really liked a lot of what has come out of his mouth right for everything that maybe i didn't like about his post-fight interview i love this right taking a stand obviously he's been somewhat of a promotional workhorse over the last year 
defending the belt twice, right? Calling his shot for when he's going to compete May or June of 2023 and basically putting it on the fan base in terms of the guys that are out there, Sean O'Malley, Henry Cejudo, Marlon Cheeto Vera, like who do you guys think is the biggest fight and who would you like to see me fight? Now, those are two different questions. So poll question today at Anik Florian pod, who would you like to see Aljamain Sterling fight next, right? That's a different answer than lining his pockets with the biggest possible fight. So I'm going to get to our poll results, but first, Ray, I just want to sort of turn that on you. Who do you think is the biggest fight, but who would you like to see him fight? Because as far as the eye can tell, it seems to be a three-horse race. Uh, I think for for greatness, I'd like to see him fight Cejudo because of his you know resume. And for financial gain, I'd like to see him fight O'Malley because I think that's the bigger money fight. Kenny, I'd imagine there are internal metrics that could tell you somewhat, you know, what an O'Malley title defense would do as a headliner versus one against Henry Cejudo or Marlon Chido Vera. Same question for you, Ken Flo. I think Ray nailed it. I I think that those are the two biggest ones, you know, from a standpoint of look at what I've done, defeating Henry Cejudo, a two division champion and Olympic gold medalist in wrestling would be massive. Um, I mean, it's like, what, what do you say after that? <clears throat> and then uh, as far as what's the biggest, you know, revenue builder for him, probably O'Malley. Right. I mean, I, I think O'Malley is probably a bigger name than Cheeto at this point. But, um, you know, any of those three are awesome fights, are fights that I would love to see. But, um, yeah. All right. So 39% of a couple thousand people wanted to see Aljo face Henry Cejudo, followed by Marlon Cheeto Vera, 33%, and then Sean O'Malley, uh, 28%. So, well, Cheeto Vera seems sort of expectant that he's going to have to fight one more, whether it's Corey Sanhagen or may Rob Dwalish Willie or whatever the case may be. I'm surprised more people aren't making a case for him as the most accomplished finisher in this division's history. And a guy who has a style that, uh, I just think really compels over five rounds, but even Cheeto, when I talk to him seems just sort of resigned to the fact that he's going to have to get one more win. So I wanted to start there because I don't think he gets enough love. I do think he's a big name. I don't think he moves the needle in terms of the metrics, the way somebody like Sean O'Malley does. And certainly even though Cheeto has a head to head win over Sean, he isn't the number one contender. You know, Sean O'Malley is the number one contender. Candidly, I love me some triple C, but I have a hard time injecting somebody who's inactive and has been for a couple years into this conversation with two guys who have good cases on paper, who have been in an active competition cycle. But Kenny, you're right. Like for Aljo, feet up in retirement, certainly would nice would be nice to have that uh, Cejudo scalp. So yeah, I think that's uh, interesting stuff. All right, so Ray, what is, uh, what is on your immediate horizon? What do you got going on this week? Uh, Madison Square Garden beckons in 11 days. Are you going to grace us with your presence uh, at MSG? You got to have somebody. Frivola's in the building. Oh yeah, man. We're psyched for Frivola. I think there's going to be a great fight. He looks really, really good. Really spent uh, a lot of time with him. He's a, he's a great kid. He's funny, and uh, I think we got it. We got a good one. I think we got a great fight. I believe they're running this one again. They couldn't make yeah. it first. Ottman Azaitar, right? Yeah. What was what, what? What happened to him? 
He was handing off a bag of steroids. What, what did he do? Yeah. He had well, some business, evidently. But he had uh, some business. Yeah. No, it's a good fight, though. It's a good uh, fight. Yeah. Oh, Cody, can I? Is that uh? I can, can I mention that? Is <laughs> Cody just popped something into the chat? I'm wondering. All right. So no, no. Da, 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 da. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So if you're a, a baseball fan, a New York Mets fan, I believe it's Edwin Diaz, who is the closer, who comes out to this great, like, trumpet jam. Narco, Blaster Jackson, Timmy Trumpet, and I believe Matt Frivola got permission from New York Mets ownership to walk out to this song at uh, at Madison Square Garden on November 12th. So... I mean, baseball fans are going to know this. You'll hear the trumpets start to come pretty soon. Can you hear that, Ray? I can hear it good, yeah. Oh, you're going to be walking I'm just imagining Ray beating his chest to this in the back. Cody, why you got to talk over the trumpets? I love you. Let's go, Steamroller. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Oh, yeah. Of I course, I'll my, be on the cans, not hear any of it. But uh, I picture myself limping out to that song. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, uh, Zaitar, Matt Frivola, that is uh, destined to be great. Speaking of limping, I did notice when you were exiting the octagon, wherever we were in Abu Dhabi, that you were leaning on Dennis Bazooka there to help, help you down the <laughs> stair. We got a back <laughs> issue. Is it a leg? Let's see. Uh, I think it's a hip. I'm good going up, coming down. I'm a little shaky. <laughs> See, I always got my eyes on you. Al. Somebody's you always what. fucking watching. I'm su- that's been going on for a while. I'm surprised nobody else has seen. Is there that. a knee? Is there a knee surgery in your future, Ray? What's hey, going look, on? I, you know, it looks like a hip, but my now uh, my now my knee's starting to kill me because of the hip. So damn. I got to do. So I've been I've been really remiss in addressing it, but trying to rehab it on my own, you know, type of deal. But it's all that time on the bike, all that time. Oh, that bike is good. The bike, though, that doesn't bother me on the bike. That bike is great. But um, what else were we going to say? So he's coming out to that song. I, I'm, I'm psyched for that. Yeah, no, that's going to be a great fight. Wait, hold really, on. Really oh, great fight. Go ahead. When are, you, when are you getting into New York? Wednesday, November 9th. Really? Not Tuesday. Early. Early, Early Wednesday morning, I land 8.43 a.m. I got a couple of good places. If you're looking to go out Wednesday night, are you too hectic at that point? All indications are that I will be a little bit too hectic. Uh, yeah. Filling in for Dana White potentially at the press conference, 6 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. Oh, wow. I mean, it's becoming a, a normal gig for you. Well, you know, I, you know I'm a scab, man. I'm a replacement was, player. They call my number. It? I show up. <laughs> Yeah, Joe Pasarczyk. Remember him? I do not. Well, Tell the listeners who Joe Pasarczyk is. I'm really – I think he when – when the football strike, I think he was the QB for the New York Giants. All right. <laughs> like a walk-on, I think. I don't know. Somebody fact-checked me on that. We don't expect to uh, to get our American football trivia from you, an unlikely source. Well, back then, you could get it from me. Ask me something from the 80s. Go ahead. No, I think we're good. Unless you, you got anything else, I think we're good. Uh, oh, from the 80s. All right. Oh, yeah. Not Lawrence Taylor, but tell me somebody else from that vaunted New York Giants defense. Oh, Harry Carson. Oh, I knew it, Harry Carson. Banks. Yeah. Those were the three guys. Carl anyway, Banks, number uh, 58 in your Banks program, number one f- in your heart, I believe. Phenomenal. Yeah. New York Giants, six and two to start the season. You paying attention? They got a great no. new head coach. No. Still, you're calling Kaepernick strike. Is that? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I love you. I absolutely love you. There's no question about it. 
Hey, why don't you have a great day and a better evening unless you got anything else? Wow, working. that's it, guys. I feel roll like you on out of here. Well, no, I mean, the floor is yours. He's kicking I, you out. I oh, had geez. six things and we got to them all. I mean, would you like to would you like to sort of give us a prediction <laughs> on the main event this coming weekend? Is there something else you're looking for? Was there who's, any? Who's, I mean, who's, hey, people are up in arms about uh, Dustin Jacoby and Khalil Roundtree Jr. Ooh. Do you have a problem with that? Uh, I mean, it looked. It looked like Jacoby was where I really didn't see the whole fight. I saw, uh, I think I just saw the, I think I just saw the third round. So no, I can't even comment on that. Right. But I thought Jacoby looked like he was leading the dance in that fight. But right. Roundtree was hitting him with some big shots. So go figure. All right, man. All right, my man. Well, just think, <laughs> hey, when we only keep you for 17, 18 minutes, salary goes up, right? Wow. When we keep you for 24 minutes, your rate goes down. <laughs> Same rate, 17 I, I think, minutes, 35 minutes, you know. I think you're right. Aljo used that philosophy in the, in the, in the, uh, when he was warming up in the back because I don't want to fight for 25 minutes. Right. I just want to go out for 10 minutes. Yeah. Why, why would I want to fight for 25 minutes? I'm yeah. like, oh, it's logic. After so, the pay-per-view, we'll efficiency. need a little bit more out of you, and uh, so, your rate goes down. But um, let's do it. Have a great have a great day. We'll talk. Right, to you take soon. it easy, guys. I'll talk. <laughs> See you right. Take right, it. Ray Long, go minute every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Minimize the dog interruptions today. It's amazing. A lot of people on YouTube truly don't care about the dog interrupting right. the show, and yet others are aligned with me and are like, John, yeah. this is not an overreaction. That dog ruined the experience for me. So thanks, Ray, for nipping that in the bud. <laughs> All right, time now for the pronunciation of the week. As we call on our producer, Cody Merrill. We got a couple files to play today. It's good to see you, good, good sir. Nice uh, nice Anakin Florian podcast beanie you're wearing. Yeah, nice beanie. Yeah, thanks. Up until the uh, end of the year, new promotion. Use code uh, CHAMP, 15% off. Look Might be old. code HIP after. Ray's going to get that HIP fix. He's going to fight Jake Paul next. That's what I heard. <laughs> I <know. laughs> good matchup for him. All right, pronunciation of the week. I want to start with just headlining athlete, second main event for her. She is not Marina Rodriguez. She is the other athlete in this equation. Who are we? Uh, who are we talking about? You're talking about Amanda Lemos. Amanda Lemos. Let's hear it. Amanda Lemos. Amanda Lemos. Mm-hmm. Cody is 0 for 8 in the NFL. Kenny, he cannot hit an NFL game to say, save his life, but he nailed the pronunciation of the week today. That's a few in a row for you, Cody. Nicely <laughs> done. You love these Brazilian Portuguese names. Oh, yeah. I got my uh, Duolingo on my iPad just rattling through. I was actually waiting for Kenny to just be like, well, actually, it's like this. I'm going <laughs> to give it to you, but I don't know. Well, I'm a little I bit cold-hearted like I because write. I heard them call her Amanda on the broadcast this weekend, and so I wanted to make sure I had it right with Amanda, and so we throw it in the pr- pronunciation of the week, and we'll see. Uh, well, with Brazilian, that one's easy because Amanda Nunes, like she's the champion, right? I mean, does well, she Americanize she, it or no? She she kind Americanize of Americanizes, it, yeah. yeah. Now you want to? Now I want to play that file, but it's much more Amanda if memory serves from her. Yes. Well, the second one's now a scary. So I wrote it in the chat. Because I want Kenny to try and say it. Well, I try and say it. I think it's. Right. Oh goodness. I think it's Shaylin name. Norton. Hang on, hang on. I got a setup. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> this fucking guy, man. <laughs> He's a wrestler out of Beijing, China. Trains at Killcliffe FC. He's won two straight. Fights Derek Minner at UFC Fight Night coming up this weekend. Cody will font the name on screen. But the last name is N U E R. D-A-N-B-I-E-K-E. 
So let's maybe Kenny wants to give it a nod. I'll, tr and, and I'll try it. I'll try it. I'm not confident heading into this. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, Shaylin Nerdenbeck. Well, and he's Chinese, right? So I feel like he's going to say it like swallow the middle. Like near, nerd like near nerd nerd and something like that. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> Heidi. My name is Shaylin Wolverine Nerdenbeck. My name is Shaylin Wolverine Nerdenbeck. Shylin. I said Shaylin, didn't I? It's Shylin. Yeah, I got that's wrong. That's Shailen. dead wrong. Nerd Dan on Beck. Both, on both of the names. way it looks. That's a tough one. All right. Well, we're not picking that fight. We got three others to pick, and we'll hear more from Cody, of course, on the back end with his marrow seconds. And we'll see if he can get off the proverbial schneid. Go ahead. Yeah, I have an issue with this because please, you know, if his name is written in Chinese, then it phonetically it should be spelled like more accurately right it's like they, they can choose whatever letters they want at this point because it hasn't been written in the english language so it's like instead of having s-h-a-y-l-i-n just put s-h-y-l-i-n i don't know it's tough fair you, uh, these names i don't know. fair fair yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right ufc fight night rodriguez versus lemos three selections to make as we get you ready for the main event challenge, as we call on Big Gun Brian Petrie on social media at Brian Petrie MMA, the host of the MMA Takes podcast. There he is. Hey, what's up, boys? Boys, 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 what's Good up? To see Good to see so you. So, Jailton Almeida, Maxime Grishin is yes. off. Yeah. So, Saw just that. three fights today, huh? Just BP? three. Yeah, any, any major takeaways over the weekend in, in combat sports for you, either on the Jake Paul or Arnold Allen front? So Arnold Allen is thick. I did not realize how big of a 45er he was because I thought, I mean, Calvin Cater is pretty tall and pretty big for that division. And Arnold Allen just and he was fast. His timing was great. Unfortunate about Cater, but I did think Allen was was going to win that fight regardless of the knee injury. He looked that good. I've I've under estimated him and kind of disrespected him his whole career because, you know, he's a little inconsistent. I'm on the Aaron Allen train. And as far as Jake Paul and Silva, listen, I've been a very anti-Jake Paul guy. <clears throat> but, you know, he beat a 47-year-old Anderson Silva. What are we going to do, right? Anderson looked a little slower, looked his timing was off. And Anderson isn't the best boxer. I, mean, I remember years ago he went to Freddie Roach's gym and he boxed some guy and he was getting his head knocked around. That was like his kind of his thing. And that's what he kind of did this fight. He did his ego. Hey, hit me. I'll eat your right hand at the end of the round. I'm going to try to steal it. Uh, it did not get my money, but I did watch it. So I will say that. Um, and I was, uh, I was entertained at least. I mean, it was a good fight. I mean, Jake Paul, and that's the thing with Jake Paul. The only thing I'll give him credit is this, this kid's a millionaire without boxing. He doesn't need the box. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. And he looks like he's putting in a lot of hard work and a lot of good rounds in there. Putting some, you know, he was training with Jane Pascal and, and a bunch of real boxers this camp. So props to him for doing that. But you're right. I, I think you guys covered everything. He's picking the right opponents, saying the right names, and, and it's benefiting him. Got a nice jab. All right. Yeah, it's not bad. Right hand's good. Right hand's good. Yeah. Big fight at lightweight, boys. Grant Dawson minus 230. Mark O. Madsen. Plus 195, so Madsen was to face Drakkar close in what would have been a little bit of a grudge match. Instead, it is the now Florida-based Grant Dawson. Madsen 12-0, BP. Last mm -hmm. two fights have been close against Clay Guida and Vince from Hell Pichel. I certainly thought Clay did enough to beat him, yeah. um, but that's neither here nor there. Now it will be Dawson who tries to take Mark Madsen's O. Your thoughts? Yeah, this is the hardest fight for me to cap on the card, for sure. M Madsen's a silver medalist in, in Greco-Roman Olympics. Not an easy thing to do. 
However, he came to MMA Little League. He's 38. He's still trying to figure himself out. I did think he lost to Clay Guida fight because he decided to stand with him. He was a little afraid of the grappling with Clay. And then with Vince from Hell Pachel, which you got to say the whole name on that one, um, he took him down and kind of smothered him. A little bit of a boring fight. I remember Pachel was very upset about that. But that's what he kind of needs to do. He needs to kind of be on top and dominate. This is an interesting fight because both these guys are grapplers and everyone's going to say, well, Grapplers are going to turn to a strike fest. I don't think so. I think both these guys have so much of an ego that they want to control the other guy. Grant Dawson's very good on top. He has a really good rear naked choke. He submitted Jared Gordon, which I picked Jared Gordon in that fight. Um, and I, again, I've, I've been sleeping on Grant Dawson for a long time. The move from Krause to American top team puzzled me, but obviously benefited because what he did to Jared Gordon, who's no easy feat. But I think this fight is way closer than the line suggests. I know Madsen's 38, and, and he hasn't really shown anything. But when a line's close like this, and one guy's plus 195, you're going to give me the dog. So I'm going to take O Madsen for the O upset. So give you know me what that. the O stands for? Is Olympian? The right? Overguard. Ah, I thought I figured it'd be Olympian. So Grant Dawson, Ken Flo, was undefeated as a featherweight in the UFC. Now 2-0-1 since moving up to lightweight. He's 18-1-1 overall, submitted Jared Gordon back in April. He is dating, if not engaged, to a pro fighter. On the other side, you have Marco Madsen, father of two, whose wife is battling ALS, has had to deal with all of these different circumstances, moving the family around. But I think if any athlete can overcome, it is Marco Madsen. But a tough matchup for him here. Ken Flo, your thoughts? Yeah, that that that's tough. You know, uh, dealing with all that stuff outside of the fight, man, that's a lot to deal with. Um, geez, I would say I, I totally know where where Brian is coming from here, because I think that um, Mark as a grappler matches up well against Grant because Grant does his best work when he's on top. Grant isn't necessarily known for being a guard guy. Um, I think he is more dangerous when he gets top position. Is he going to get top position against someone like Marco Madsen? Probably not. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't think so. And if he does get top position, I think Mark's going to know how to get back to his feet quickly. So for that reason, either Mark gets on top, controls the action, you know, plays conservatively, chips away with his ground and pound, or wins the round that way based on control, or uh, maybe Grant, you know, outstrikes him, is able to stop some of those takedowns and, and land strike. Now, I think Grant's striking is going to be better than Mark's here. Is it significantly better to the point where he gets a knockout? I don't know. I, I don't think so. Um, so I, I I like this pick up with, with Mark as well. I think that he's going to be the better wrestler. I think, you know, that that is clear uh, given his background. I think he'll be able to hit some of those takedowns and control. I don't think it's going to be anything great. I don't think it's going to be a you know, a domination. If it is, I'd be surprised either way. But um, I, I like Mark as the underdog pick here, too. I think nice. there's a lot of value there. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we'll get to the co-main event. By the way, I'm taking all the scoring back in-house with me next year. Ooh, okay. So we'll know exactly where we stand every week. And I'll be updating the whole goddamn thing. I can tell what you, Kenny won last week. This Kenny won yeah, last week. Multitasking this guy, you know. He said he sent me a text letting me know he won last week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, co-main event, co-main event boys at welterweight. Neil Magny minus one fifteen. D Rod Daniel Rodriguez minus one oh five. Reportedly, <clears throat> it was an elbow infection for Rodriguez that delayed this thing three weeks. Mm-hmm. BP, who do you have in the co-main? I'm glad they rebooked this. This is a big test for D-Rod. D-Rod's a little bit older, kind of new to the UFC, and he wants to rattle off these wins. Coming off a really weird <clears throat> short-notice fight with the Leech, where he looked good. His straight punches and his range are really elite. We haven't really seen him testing the grappling yet, even though he comes from a grappling camp. He's known to have 
decent grappling. He's got a good front choke. You have to travel all the way back to 2013 to see Neil Magny lose two in a row. Coming off a Rachmaninoff loss, which is no no shame in that game because Rachmaninoff's a fucking stud. He'll probably fight for a title one day. But I saw Magny fight live in Columbus against Max Griffin where he got the win, but he looked a little off to me. He looked a little slow. You know, he's been in the UFC for a long time. He's him and Neil Mac or him and Daniel Rodriguez are the same age, but he's got a lot of UFC miles on him. Everyone can have a bad night. He seemed like he had a bad night against Max Griffin, a fight that I thought he lost, but he obviously got the nod. Um, but yeah, man, I just I like D Rod in this spot. I picked him the time he did it before. I just think, you know, Neil Magny is a grinder and he hasn't really been grinding people. And if he stays at range and he lets D Rod get in that flow state. Um, it's going to be a long night for him. So give me D-Rod. Give me over two and a half and fight goes a decision as well for my prop play. Look at this guy. Extra credit. We absolutely love it. All right. So Neil Magny, Ken Flo, 19 UFC welterweight wins. Tied with George St. Pierre for most all time. Coming off a loss to Shavkat Rachmanov by submission. That was June 25. Of course, D-Rod, Brian alluded to it. Part of that UFC 279 madness ends up taking Lee Jingliang's ranking number 14 in the world. He's now won four straight. Magny number 13. Does D-Rob make it five in a row, or do you like uh, out Neil Magny to get it done? Listen, I, I think this is a close fight. Uh, BP, I thought he was going to take the bait and go with Neil Magny. He's too smart. He's too sharp. He gets it. Listen, I, I think D-Rod is consistent regardless. He always shows up to fight. The dude's a beast. I, I think that... You know, did he win that last fight against Li Jingliang? I don't know. It was close. But he consistently shows up to fight, fights hard. Neil Magny is one of those guys, uh, Brian, I'm sure you would put him in that category of how do you bet that guy consistently? How do you bet him at this stage of his career? You don't know what Neil Magny is going to show up. He might come out here and just jab D-Rod to death and win this fight. Right, right. He could also try to grapple him for absolutely no reason, or he could go out there, not use his jab, try to look for big shots and get outstruck or potentially TKO'd. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. So when I'm dealing with this kind, with this fight, where you have a guy in D-Rod who is slight underdog at minus 105 versus minus 115 for Neil Magny, I think you got to go with D-Rod here. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's... This these this could go so many different ways, but I do know that D Rod's going to show up and he's going to look to try to knock his opponent's head off, and because of that, I'm I'm going to go with D Rod here. And nice. D Rod's going to have the best flower in Nevada after the fact of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, main event number three: Marina Rodriguez minus two ten, seventh ranked. Amanda Lemos plus one eighty. Emrod, we're not calling her Emrod, but Rodriguez has won four in a row. Rodriguez, I guess I should say. Two of those four wins, Bri, 25-minute mm-hmm. main event decision wins over Michelle Waterson and Mackenzie Dern. Last win against Jan Shaunan was UFC 272 back in March. That continues to age well. Your thoughts on another showcase spot here for a strawweight that a lot of people think is is cut from a championship cloth. Mm-hmm. Marina Rodriguez, your thoughts? Yeah, check this out. So I like Marina Rodriguez. See that? Uh-huh. See how I did that right there? Yeah, yeah. I've been working on it, boys. Uh, <laughs> which I just fucking... <laughs> one of my favorite fighters to watch. She is one of my favorite fighters to watch on the yeah. roster. She's action-packed. She's never in a boarding fight. Cardio is elite. Striking and her speed are elite. She's so fast. And I, and I love the way she fights. She's aggressive, never takes a step back. She's smart. Um, and I think she should be fighting a Rose. This was a little surprise that she got Lemos. No, no knock on Lemos, but I think she should be fighting Rose or maybe even a backup. Cause I think she's put enough on tape 
and beat enough quality women that, hey, listen, I should be here. But, you know, she's a true fighter. It's like, fuck it. Yeah, man, I'm at, yeah, I'll take it. Lemos is a bruiser who can crack as well. And she showed her showed her overall game by submitting Michelle Waterson last time out. But, I mean, I, I'm not going to share it, Cody. I think Rodriguez is just better everywhere. I'm going to pay minus 210 happily. Um, I think this number should be wider. I think Lemos is going to be the harder hitter possibly. And I think she maybe want to clinch and grapple a little bit. I think Rodriguez's speed's going to kill her. I think she's going to piece her up. I don't know if we're going to see a decision because Lemo or excuse me, a finish because Lemos is very tough, but give me Rodriguez by decision. And I, and I'm, I'm, I'm big here. I'm big on this spot, boys. I'm talking multi-unit play. We like that. Let's go. Have four figure wager. If you're mm-hmm. watching Brian Peach and yes. his wife, this is a four, potentially five <laughs> figure wager on yeah. uh, Marina Rodriguez. That's now, right. She is 35, so you would like to fight for the belt at some point sure. in time. And got to think a win here gets her either get the Nama Yunus fight or a championship opportunity. Right. On the other side, Lemos does have some main event experience. Ken Flo, Jessica Andrade back in April didn't go well, but of course she responded in a big way on ABC three months later, submits the karate haughty, uh, and maybe a title shot for her if she can upset uh, Marina Rodriguez. Your thoughts on the main event? This is interesting. I I think that for Amanda Lemos, the only spot I disagree with Brian on is I think I think she's a better grappler here. She should be the better grappler. Um, She's not an amazing grappler, but I think she's the better grappler here. I think uh, against Marina, I think she could cause Marina some problems if she's able to put her on her back early, early in the fight, early in the round. That's where I could see her maybe winning this fight. I also think that as far as flashes of brilliance, uh, Amanda has that. The problem is, again, I got to go with consistency here. Marina is consistent. She fires off beautiful combinations. She is tough. You know, she has proven that in, in, in many fights over. She also tends to not get tired. Amanda Lemos gets tired. I see I see this fight going one or two ways. I think uh, Lemos wins this fight by some kind of a stoppage early in, in the fight or I see Marina Rodriguez uh, persevering early, coming back, uh, Lemos getting tired. Rodriguez just keeps her foot on the gas and ends up stopping Lemos. Um, so I, I, I like I like Marina Rodriguez here as well, uh, again, because of the consistency, because of what she has proven over the course of her career. And I agree with you guys. She should have a title shot uh, in, in the near future. Do they make you pick winners when the robots fight? <laughs> So they ask me, you know, what which way I'm leaning, but I don't necessarily pick. Yeah, because you're calling the fights. Exactly. Battlebots. Exactly. Season <laughs> 27 coming to uh, Discovery. <laughs> Brian Petrie, MMA yes. Takes Podcast. Great to have you with us, my man. Uh, work yeah. done for the day and uh, enjoy the family. And uh, I guess we'll talk to you. Uh, BP. In That's one last thing, J.A., yes, before please. I go. Congratulations on the re-signing. Thank you, buddy. Uh, I, I saw everyone praise you. It's well-deserved. And I've been an MMA fan since I was 15, so 21 years now. Your commentary, your voice, what you bring to the game has made the UFC grow. Without you, the UFC is not where it's at. And I guarantee you that's the truth. You've added professionalism. You've added a, a real big time voice to the sport. And thank you for everything that you've done, Jay. My man, give me chills. Right. I'll see not you, boys. Worthy. Thank you, buddy. See ya. Thank see you, you Brian Petrie, man. Means 100%. a lot. Uh, very kind. Especially from a fan on his level because he's been at it a long time, right? When I was going to Tunica, Mississippi to cover Elite XC1, 
Brian Petrie was watching those fights, you know. He was, um, absolutely. Today's episode of the Anakin Florian Podcast brought to you in part by UFC Fight Pass, the world's premier combat sports streaming service with over 200 live events, largest fight library in existence, original shows and more. Sign up for a year and get half off for a limited time. UFCFightPass.com slash sign up. Don't forget Anakin Florian Rewind, our exclusive segment as we look back at our commentary and some of Ken Flo's former fights and what have you on UFC Fight Pass. Not now, but right now. All right, before we get on out of here, we call on our producer, Cody Merrow. Cody, Cody, 0-8 in the NFL, Cody. 0-8, bro, 0-8. That's one of those games where you'd rather be uh, really bad or really good, right? But your DraftKings Sportsbook account doesn't reflect that, that, right? Like, he's given out one play here, right? He's actually doing okay betting the NFL, all things considered. But he's 0-8 for on these airwaves. 0 for 8. No, 0 for 7. But he made sure to text me and my twin bro, Jay, that he was on Cincinnati (laughs) minus 3. On Monday Night Football, they lost like 32 to 13. So. <laughs> the hits keep coming, baby. I hope you take for all like you at gym. home, fading the Cody's covers. You're making some money. So I know you have a few things uh, that we- I don't know how to follow BP. I don't have it. I feel like I should knock you down a peg after I, you just I, I you think up. So you know? I, think, I think so too. I need Ray back. Let me give Ray a call and so he can come he back. He will gladly. He will gladly knock me down. So- all right, go ahead. But, but I was going to say, before we get to your NFL pick, do you have some other things we could get to? I do. I have some UFC the blow notes on for people you. a little bit before yeah. you uh, take that. Uh, so looking back at, uh, I believe it was UFC Vegas 63, uh, Dustin Jacoby suffered his first UFC loss since 2012. At the time of that loss, only five of the 21 fighters had made their pro debuts that were on that card. Wow. So he's sneaking it up there. Tim Means, kind of same thing. Dirty Bird has been around forever. Oh, that guy was ever. on Fuel TV, wasn't he? Tim, it yeah. means business. You're goddamn right. Fighting like Nazareno Malagari or something crazy like that. No, maybe. Yeah. Know. One of the all-time, all-time legends. Uh, Christian Rodriguez kicked off the card with an anaconda choke. It was just the sixth time in promotional history that a fight card started with an anaconda choke finish. Uh, when this has happened, five of the six had received bonuses, despite that being the first fight on the card, which doesn't really happen often. So, Yeah, that's a good point. Kempflo, I think four submission wins over the weekend, huh? Wow. I love it. Let's love go. see that. Uh, Raul Rosas Jr. at just 18 years of age is booked now to break the UFC record for youngest fighter in history. On December 10th, he's going to fight Jay Perrin. Do you guys happen to know who the current youngest UFC fighter in history is? I do. Ken Flo, it was Bernardo Magalhães, UFC on Fuel TV, Sanchez versus Allen Berger. Omaha, Nebraska, February 2012. Ken Flo was there. Um, what are you asking? Was it? I have different info. I have a different. No, that was the Tim Means thing. That was, oh, oh, I was going back. Sorry. I said yeah. Nazareno yeah. Malagari. Yeah. I had to clear that up. Um, gotcha. What are you asking us now? Who, Who is the, the current fighter? youngest fighter in UFC history, like to ever make their debut in UFC history? Isn't it going to be Raul Rosas Jr.? No. No, yes, but who has it now? Before, Is it Dan before. Lozon, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. It's native Dan Lozon. Uh, at 18 years, 198 days, he lost to Cole Miller in January of 2010. Look at John just spitting that out immediately. I didn't know that. I mean, I, I knew that, but I didn't have it like that. That's that's wow. I'm just, yeah, just the Massachusetts. Good. You know? And if Dan Lozon wants some smoke, Keith Florian, not far from there right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Florian Lozon. One of those God. classic gym brawls, oh, be like the God. old karate schools, you know, like you bring your best five, we'll bring our yeah, best five. Right. Let's go. So there it's was like, a rapper special teams. Go ahead, Kenny. Please. It's like Cobra Kai versus uh, Miyagi Dojo in Boston right now. Like, <laughs> uh, like, All so, in Boylston Street. It's like the uh, <laughs> damn Boston massacre out there. Just stand in the line, you know. 
so there was a rapper special uh, teams that had a, a song called team florian a hip-hop song back in what? the day where is it why is this not our show intro well so i'm i'm searching for it right now it's probably great radio i think i so I think it's I slain it. slain ed og and jason uh yeah they they, they formed a group called uh special, special teams, teams. Yeah, and they and they did a they did a Team Florian song back in the day. Yeah, Ken Flo. Head hit him in the head again. Well, no, but the rest of the track is fire. That part not necessarily. Jason, Ed OG, and Slain. Yeah. So, but just the way it begins, like Team Florian, let's go, full body chills. Let's go, whoa, hit him with the elbow. Slain was to gear no. Slain was in that movie with Ben Affleck uh, when they were uh, bank robbers out of town. Yeah, the town. Surprised you weren't in that, Kenny. That would have you'd have been a good extra for that movie, you know. So if you you bump into somebody, stop walking here. The fuck. (laughs) So if you go to Spotify, Team Florian, special teams with a Z. Special. We're gonna tweet it out. It'll be Team Florian. Let's go. (laughs) Just outstanding. Just love that. Uh, Um, Anything else? Yeah, two more points, and then I got my cover of the week for you guys to fade. Uh, Juliana Pena is making her analyst debut this weekend for the UFC card. Outstanding. Yep. Wow. Nice to see some fresh faces in there. You know, uh, I I like to see some fresh blood in there. You know, maybe our boy Bilal will get back in there. Aljo on the desk, I thought, I think is really good. So nice to see Juliana getting a shot there. Love it. Uh, Bryce Mitchell and Ilya Topuria have verbally agreed to fight at UFC 282 in Vegas, um, but that's not hey, why Mick. I bring it up. Hey, Mick, you got want a 17th fight for UFC 282? Maybe you should put an 18th fight on the card and we'll research 36 athletes. <laughs> plenty of room. Plenty of room. They're actually no, going to do pumped. a 2 o'clock card and then an 8 o'clock <laughs> card, so they're just going to have you marathon it around, you know? Unbelievable. Maybe, uh, uh, music to John's ears. No, I, I do believe that in 2024, there will be a record-setting 20-fight card. You'll see. 20 wow. fights and 40 athletes. Oh, yeah. 2024. Be awesome. And then we won't have a podcast because John's voice will be gone. Imagine John will be showing up at six a.m. He'll be showing up at six a.m. out of there at at uh, like one one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but the reason I brought that up is because I thought the uh, important part was the latest from Bryce Mitchell News Network, uh, BMNN, is that there's going to be a manufactured diesel shortage. So uh, the government is apparently going to short diesel, and that's going to cause a lot of ruckus. And that's the latest from Bryce Mitchell news. So mm. I thought that that was important for everybody to hear. He is a newsman. Yeah. He's a hell of a follow. Great follow on social media. Oh, Bryce yeah. Mitchell entertaining. Now for everybody's favorite segment of the week, but a bump, bump, but bump, bump Cody's covers. Let's go. It's amazing. Uh, it's amazing run of futility. I mean, you basically prefaced <laughs> this whole segment this season by saying that you didn't do well last year and you're and eight through eight weeks. An amazing what? run of futility. <laughs> <laughs> only, only John, only John could put a string of losses together that Beautiful. poetically. Poetic, it was. It was poetic. <laughs> what? So, who are we? Uh, who are we backing in week nine uh, in the NFL? Yeah. So this week we're fading the Vikings. Uh, it's Vikings minus three and a half is the play. Uh, they're four and zero against the spread in the last four games after allowing less than ninety yards rushing. And the Commanders historically in week nine in their last twelve are two and ten against the spread. I didn't think the commanders looked very good last week either. Heineke got bailed out by Terry, scary Terry making an amazing catch. Yeah. I think the Vikings are much better than three and a half. So that's the play for me. 
All right, Cody. Play at your own peril. Minnesota Vikings minus three and a half in week nine. And uh, he likes favorites, man. You know, like I I bet underdogs. I'll probably be on the commanders if I can get them up to four, four and a half that close. (laughs) Thank you, Cody. Uh, Thanks to Ray Longo. Thanks to Brian Petrie. Thanks to all of you for listening, for watching. Don't forget, AnnaFlorianPodcast.com is live, as is Kenny Florian, MartialArts.com, Millions.co. For the One More Sleep merchandise, the New York City designs should be up within the next 24 to 48 hours. Uh, With that, uh, Ken Flo's the fucking man. Team Florian, let's go. We will talk to you guys next week in advance of UFC 281. Adesanya versus Pereira. Yes, it is here already. Uh, Until then, enjoy the show. You'll later. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.